And I may be a little off on this, but I was under the impression that if you get the big expensive Tesla, you can get up to close to 600 miles on it. And I'm going, wow. But that's because the battery technology that's involved now versus what they were originally when they come out. Batteries are being recreated, if you want to call them, or the innovation in battery technology is improving immensely and has improved immensely since the electric cars were first coming out. Now, that's a long way because electric cars date all the way back to the 18, I think it's 1820 or 1802 or something like that. In England is where the first electric motor uh, vehicle was. So the And the reason they didn't go with it was because of the price of the fuel at that time was still realistic. The fuel economy was realistic, and you couldn't really see the advantage of getting electric cars because it wasn't that big of a deal because they didn't realize that we had a uh, EPA problem at the time, and, you know, it, is, it was new stuff, okay? But uh, the electric cars have been around a long time. You have to watch because a reading on these electric cars, there's probably about 25, 28 to 30 electric vehicles that is uh, already here, some of them, and some of them are still coming. And the biggest thing that they're doing is they're advertising uh, based on the cost. Now, you can buy an electric vehicle for about $30,000, but you're going to have a range around 250 to 300 miles if you're lucky. Some of the little cheaper cars... They only go about 175 to 200 miles. So you've got, I mean, you have to really be careful on what you're actually uh, going after as far as a vehicle. The mileage on these vehicles is like anything else. It, uh, they're going to, if you go the more expensive one to get the extra miles, well, the price will probably come down a little bit like they have on the Tesla since Tesla first hit the market. But, if you go with the mileage range, and competition also controls that. So you got more electric cars coming, the prices are coming down, and now you have to look to say, okay, can I use a vehicle that has a 150-mile range on it? Or, or do I need this bigger one that has 600 miles or 500 miles or 400 miles? So if you're going to be shopping for electric vehicle, I, I would consider that. Now, John, to your your question about, uh, driving and getting all this good gas mileage on this little Honda, uh, Hyundai. Uh, if you, if you drive that and there is ca- little cars out there like a Sentra, like the Hondas, you know, the, the little Honda CRVs and stuff, those things can get up to around 40 miles per gallon. And so yeah. if you look at the cost of the electric car versus the gas burner, and you figure in what you're going to actually pay for an electric vehicle over what you can buy that little Honda, that Hyundai that you bought, uh, you can drive that thing a long time before you ever get to the cost factor. So if yeah. you want an electric vehicle and you feel comfortable with it, by all means. But I agree with you. You know, uh, when you get a car like a um, – I rented a little uh, – Nissan Sentra, uh, back a few years ago in Carolina and drove it, oh, about 2,000 miles. That little son of a gun was getting 41 miles per gallon. It was a good ride. And I'm thinking, okay, and it was affordable. You could buy the car and it's actually affordable for a person who just wants a good runner and a nice little vehicle. Yeah. 
So I agree with you on that. I think your point's well taken. Uh, the like the diesel versus the electric, the hybrids that are coming out now. That actually Hyundai has a hybrid, and uh, you can get a hybrid with a little uh, like a one point six motor liter motor in it, a little small gas burner, and then with a hybrid. Now, you could take those with the gas and electric, and you can get around, uh, let's see, my accountant told me that he got, he went to San Francisco and back, and he only stopped twice. So he was getting some serious fuel economy as well as with the electric. So that comes out real well. I think the hybrids are going to do extremely well because I don't think they cost as much as the electric vehicles. The $7,500 that uh, taxpayers paid for Jerry to buy an electric uh, vehicle, I think that has gone away, the $7,500. And that used to be a big selling point with the electric vehicles. Oh, Jerry, if you buy this electric vehicle, the, the, the federal government, federal government don't do anything. It's taxpayers' dollars. Then, and my my argument was, if this thing is a state of the art, and it is a hot thing on the market, why doesn't industry, why doesn't the stock market take it to to industry or take it to the public instead of Jerry and the taxpayers in this country taking it to the market and say, okay, if you buy this car, we'll give you seven seventy five hundred dollars because I know. Just in business, and Jim probably knows the same thing. If you're going to get $7,500 from, uh, you know, uh, the government to buy this car, why do you care how much it costs? Yeah. And somebody is going to jack the rate on it because they want a piece of that 7500 which will be the manufacturers. So yeah. it's just it's to each his own. And... Uh, <clears throat> But the Tesla vehicle is still holding number one spot down. A lot of your electric stuff, like BMW, Mercedes, uh, there is a lot of cars uh, overseas of the high dollar value. You know, like two hundred thirty-five thousand, two hundred thirty-five thousand dollar car from overseas will get you about five hundred and fifty to six hundred miles on electric cars if you can afford two hundred thirty-five thousand. So, yeah. <laughs> but good question. Good question on this, yeah. John. Well, uh, so, uh, quick question for you, just with your experience and what how you how you've seen this kind of raise from the beginning to now. How far off in time frame do you think that buying an electric vehicle would be uh, economically and environmentally probably uh, better than buying a gas vehicle? Right now. Right now, if you can, if you can stay. With the mileage, you know, and I, I got judge it on, can I go from here to Phoenix and back? Okay. Most of the electric vehicles will go from here to Phoenix now. Okay. And that they are actually affordable. Your average cost of a brand new car right now, you know, just uh, average cost is 32, 30, about 33,000 and something. So, and you can actually buy an electric car for around 30, 31 to 35, and it'll be a pretty good one. So it depends on what you want to do, the infrastructure, how you're going to charge it. But look at all the little incidentals that comes with a plug-in car, battery plug-in, and for the recharge system. But do your homework really good on it until we get more information we can pass on on these vehicles. 
because the technology on electric vehicles is changing about twice as fast as the technology on the uh, automotive, the regular automobiles. So, you know, but it, it, they, all of them take energy. All of them pull from a battery and a generator or alternator. So you've got, name your poison. Hybrids, I like. If I could find a hybrid that was a diesel over electric and it was in a pickup truck, I'd probably buy it because I, it's not that I hate electric. It's just that I don't trust it and I don't trust me because I'll be a, as a, figure of speech asleep at the wheel they won't pay any attention to how much battery i got left and i'll run out you know i mean i've run my diesel down to where i was embarrassed to go in and get diesel fuel. so you know it's just yeah. the human factor yeah well hey I, I appreciate all your advice today i, I gotta get into work right now but uh it's great i'm a long time listener so it was great talking to you and uh i appreciate uh, everything you said it's really awesome well, appreciate the call, John. Thanks, buddy. Have a good weekend. You too. Thank you. All right, 719-1490, uh, join, join the conversation down here. Now I'm going to tell you about the emissions story on the Honda. Not that any of you have ever, ever run into this. You, you know, you go like Jim was saying a while ago, time is probably the only thing that you can't replace. Time. Now, keep that in mind. I get ready to go in. I've done spend a lot of money on this Honda to make sure it's all tuned up and running well. And so I go down to the emission station. I'm, I pull in, and it's about uh, 1030. No, it's actually about 1005, to be exact. And uh, I pull in with this little Honda that's running just, it's running fine. Uh, but I notice that my RPM is a little bit higher than what I normally used to seeing on it. And so I'm sitting in line, and I'm sitting in line, and I'm sitting in line with the other 35 vehicles sitting there. And finally, I get up to two cars, actually one in front of me. I was already pulled inside the building. So I take the Honda, I pull it inside the building, I pull it up, and then, of course, you go through the little routine. And uh, he plugs it into the um, computer fob or connection inside and it comes back and he said it failed i'm going what and i look in there and the light is on on the dash that's after i've been sitting there forever and then i get in there now i'm about a 45 minutes 45 minutes out on this this emissions test and uh you figure normally when you go to the emissions about 20 minutes so now i'm at 45 and i'm going well you know i'm glad i don't have any place to really go right now because i would be a little on the nervous side and i'd be on the smartphone calling everybody and said i'm sorry i'm gonna be late i'm stuck in the line at admissions then i take it back to the shop i pull it into the shop and of course they're busy and a son of a gun so i sat there for about three and a half three and a half hours while the guys actually went back in and fixed the little issue that I had with the light. And then I took it back to the emission station. This time I only sat in line for about 25 minutes, which about normal. And I got it passed so that I can get it registered. So there is life happening. At It, it happens to everybody. As Jim would say, it's a piece of equipment. They're subject to fail. Why the darn thing waited till 
One car, when I pulled into the lane to get it inspected to fail, that's beyond me, you know, but it's a car. So anyway, that's what happened to me, and that was yesterday. Before I forget it, humidity and interiors on motorhomes and cars, antique cars and stuff like that. You have the UVs that Jim has already uh, described as being little hazardous to the plastic components. Well, it plays havoc on the interiors of some of these old cars, too. That's how you get to crack dashes. That's how you get to crack seats and all this. On my motorhome, <coughs> excuse me, and on my fifth wheel trailer, my big uh, fifth wheel, I put a pan of water in the floorboard, open the door, set a pan of water in there, and then check it about once a week, you will be surprised how fast that water actually leaves the pan. I do it on my Mustang, and my Mustang is in the garage. And yet I'm still surprised at how much water that the interior will actually soak up from the humidity. However, I found out I don't have any tabletops rolling up from elimination. I don't have any plastic components falling off the walls and stuff inside the motorhome or the travel or, or my fifth wheel. <coughs> so this is my tip for you. If you own one of these animals, go ahead and get you a pan of water. I don't care if you put a five-gallon bucket in there full of water, but don't forget to check it because you can see the level drop on a daily basis, especially with the temperatures we have out here right now. And when everything on these late model motorhomes and travel trailers are plastic, I mean, they're they're just, there's too much plastic in them. If you can keep the humidity up inside one of these things, then life is going to be a heck of a lot cheaper for you. And guess how I learned that? The hard way. So, Keep the humidity, put a pan of water in that thing. It's simple. don't cost you a darn thing. Just get you a bucket and put it in there and let it suck up the water from it from the humidity. Keeps everything a heck of a lot nicer inside your coaches. So that's my tip for today. If you'll do that, you'll save a lot of, a lot of aggravation. All right. That's a good tip, Jack. That's we're a back. good tip. Well, you just, uh, you know, in my Mustang, it don't have a crack dash. And it's 52 years old. It don't have a crack dash. There's not a crack in the seats. But it come out of North Carolina where they have humidity and it's put under a carport. They still have humidity and it had plenty of humidity, but it didn't have a direct sunlight. So I still have an interior. But on the motorhome, I still have a motorhome interior. And it's a, a, a 03 Mini Winnie 30-footer. And the interior in that thing looks like it's brand new. And that was because the guy that had it before me had it covered in a shade, and it just he had a little he accidentally had water he put water in the sink, put the plug in it, put water in the sink, then he'd go in and check it see if it bled out so and I already knew the secret of this interior savings before I seen that, but that was one of the reasons that I actually agreed to buy it because I knew the interior had a lot of water. A moisture that had been provided to it, so it wasn't dried and cracked like every time you grab a hold of something, it breaks off your hand. So, with your unfortunately, if you could put it on the hood and keep the humidity up, it'd, it'd probably be better too. 
but I'm not going to set a bucket of water or a pan of water on top of the carburetor <laughs> uh, air filter and <laughs> go in there and try it. But you said something a while ago that caught my attention, too. You know, you reach in the vehicle and you just touch it and it breaks. On the older cars that have vacuum lines, and Honda had a quarter of a mile of vacuum lines. They had a harness that had, I want to say, 10 lines coming out of it, a, a box that had 10 vacuum lines coming out of it. You can go in and do change the spark plugs on one of those things, bump one of these UV-contaminated vacuum lines, and it will leak. It won't break. Oh, no, it's going to sit right there on that little plug and not make good contact, and then you're going to be chasing a ghost because you're going, oh, my gosh. Now, the way we do it in the automotive industry is you get a smoke injector, you put it on your vacuum side, and that will tell you the quickest leak that you have, and it'll be one little stinking line on it that's within a finger's length away from the second line to it. So naturally, when you go in to change the one line, you're going to hit the other one, and it's going to break seal. So now... If you go into a vehicle, like when we do brand-new motors or stick motors in vehicles, if it's got a vacuum line on it, you're going to get vacuum lines new before you get the vehicle back because we know what can happen to them. So for you weekend warriors out there and you do a tune-up on your little car and you've got these vacuum lines running all around, you'll have four or five of them in there because they're necessary evils. And just remember what I'm telling you. If you can grab that vacuum line, now this is a double-edged sword. If you grab that vacuum line and it is still pliable and still holds solid to the little connection, you don't reach and grab it with a, you know, a full handful and jerk it. But if you still got a good connection on that vacuum line, okay, you're pretty good shape. But if that vacuum line doesn't have any pliability to it, or it won't, it doesn't feel like a vacuum hose. It feels like a, a a, a rigid son of a gun, like a bad radiator hose, uh, that, when you touch it, you just remember what I said about it breaking the seal. It don't have to come off. It don't have to break off in order to leak and cause a runnability problem. So heads up. If you if you got just, if you're a weekend warrior, you go down to Merrill's, you take it and you say, well, I'm going to replace the vacuum lines on this thing while I'm here. Cut off a piece of the vacuum line, about a half an inch, and take it with you to make sure you get the same size and the same fitting because you can get a bigger size, it will go on. But guess what? As soon as the motor heats up to around 250, 275 degrees under that hood every day, that one line that's just a little bit too big and didn't fit that good, that tight when you put it on there, that sucker's going to leak. It's going to get hard. It's going to leak. You're going to have a problem. So make sure that you get the right size vacuum lines when you go back with these uh, little little things that you're doing. I know it sounds dumb. However, you know we uh, we that's the reason we own a vacuum machine at the shop, a smoke a smoke machine. Put it on there, find a leak. That's the best way, the quickest way you can do it to find a leak. 
right. Of course, when you're trying to change those lines, Jerry, you, you know, as I know, you're trying to pull it off the little plastic connector, and it's welded on there, literally welded on there. It's part of the plastic little connector that you're trying to get it off of, and you're trying to raise the blade off. And what do you do? You break the little plastic connector. That's my luck. I'm trying to get the vacuum line off, and it's just, it's just glued. It is so glued onto that little plastic tee, you cannot get it separated to save your life. Even when you do, it tears off, yep. and there's little piece chunks left on there. And you're just like, great. I just love this. Yep. Yep, that's when you wind up getting your pocket knife out, and you cut it down the center, and then you slide it out. You release it. Well, hopefully, but, yeah, but sometimes it just it's still stuck, so... Be careful. Oh, yeah. Because they, they break, break oh, yeah. spontaneously. Well, that's plastic. Uh, you know, you might want to go get you an assortment of plastic tees and stuff like that. You know, and don't use the ones for uh, gardening uh, or uh, your irrigation system. They, they can't handle the heat coming under that hood. So use automotive parts on them when you're doing all that stuff. Um Okay, uh, now we – let's go to driving habits. Yeah, I love driving habits. Driving habits, I run – I almost – it scared me. Last night coming in at about seven eleven at night, it was just dark enough to where you couldn't see the other cars coming at you with the headlights off. There was this one little car that come down the road, and it was dark green. I finally seen it when it got right beside me. It was dark green, did not have headlights on. The cars behind it had headlights on. I had my headlights on, which means my eyes are already uh, set for the lights. And then you show up from out of nowhere, and I can't see you. I can't see you. Driving habits. Turn the lights on. Please turn your lights on. And for the ones of you that are running around there that you have one brake light in the back, I know that at least you've got one brake light. But remember, most of these cars have the automatic headlights. When you run those, it does not turn on the brake lights. It does not turn on the rear lights of the vehicle. It turns on the headlights. That's daytime running, okay? So... You can see it, and I see people driving with just the uh, automatic lights on, you know, the daytime running lights. And uh, as long as you're coming down to me, I can probably see you. But if you're going away from me and I'm following you and you have no taillights, I, it presents your problems. Lights on a car is a communication system to the drivers of the other vehicles and lets everybody know where they're at. That's the reason it's kind of critical that you use the turn signals. But if you don't turn the lights on and you have a crash, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. All I know is I continually see it. I continue to, oh, my God, don't they realize that I can't see them? They can see me because my headlights are on. I can't see them because their headlights are off. Not only that, they've got a car painted the same as the desert around us. And you just you, you're taking you're putting yourself at a at a real imposition on these things. And when you you know I've heard all of the stories about okay all the little cars they have a, the airbags and all of this safety stuff in them. And I'm gonna tell you something when you take a uh, two thousand pound little smart car or something and you're running down the road and you're and you all of a sudden you your phone goes off and you reach over to grab it or you decide to text and you wander out of the lane. I can't see you 
with a 9,000-pound diesel, you lose. You lose. Because I also have the airbags in that diesel, and it's about uh, four times, five times the size of your car. So please, please be careful and make sure that all your lights are working properly on these cars. It's a safety issue anymore, especially with the way people drive out here. And um, just just be careful. That's that's all I got well, to say about that. You got anything to say about that? Well, that's because they're yeah. the only person on the road, Jerry. Well, you know, if you're the only person driving on the road, you don't need any of that stuff. That's why. That's why. But people have to understand there are other people on the road, and you have to watch out for them. Because other people have family well, too, and they want to go home to their family. So you got to you got to have a little uh-huh. bit of concern and, for them. Um, and I don't know if if, uh, if any of the listeners out there have had the, the pleasure of an airbag going off in their face. You know, it's not a real fun uh, experience. It usually leaves you with oh a, a bloody nose, and your arms are all scarred up. And and if you haven't had your bag replaced for one of the, the thousands that have the recalls on them, or because they have the metal shards in them, some of the ones that they made have metal shards, or the yeah. charge is wrong, and it um, it hurts even more. So t- testing an airbag while you're driving is is really a bad bad idea. I've seen tons of people with, a, with airbag. How injuries. about sunglasses and glasses? Or the guy that runs yeah, you, around and he drives and he's got a toothpick in his mouth. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Uh, uh, that, that. That airbag comes out of there like a shotgun, and um, it hits you pretty hard. I mean, it does its job. Don't get me wrong; it's it's a great thing to have, but um, it 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 will it kind of, it leaves scratches and scars and and uh, bruises all over you. Now, not mind you, you're alive, which is the plus. But it's not it's mm-hmm. not a recommended, you know, active well, hey, let's go see what if I crash the car, how what's the airbag feel like? Because you ain't gonna like it. Because for a fact, you are not gonna like it. Um and especially because you got your hands on the wheel, even if you got one hand on your wheel, you know, it it, it has a good it just scars up the inside of your arms because the bag comes out and it's usually larger than the steering wheel to protect your body. Um it's uh it hurts. It really hurts bad. <laughs> so um and if your glasses are on, it'll knock your glasses off. It'll break them, shove them, shove the bridge into your nose. It does all kinds of weird things. Um, if you're smaller, you know, what? if you're a small guy, you know, you're closer to the wheel. You're 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 sitting down lower. So that that those are those are really bad things to have flying your face. And you know, if you're the passenger, same thing applies. You don't want your passenger to get hurt. So. Yeah, turn on your lights. Make sure they work. You know, but, uh, well, the airbags fire at the same speed of you, same speed as you blinking your eyes. They fire in milliseconds, and no, they yeah. come out with quite a force on it. I had the misfortune, or actually, I, I witnessed a uh, collision where a high school girl. Uh, she, I think, she was 15 years old, going to school, and she was sitting over in the passenger side, and she's wearing glasses. And when I got out to go up to see if everybody was okay, uh, she had blood running down her face where that thing had, and her glasses were twisted sideways. That's how, that's how close I was to the accident. Her glasses were bent sideways. They were, had jammed into her nose. The blood was running down the side of her, uh, nose and uh, her right temple, I think it was, where the, it had bent the glasses in and actually cut her there. Uh, so they're not fun. They're good for safety. You know, I'm, I'm sure they save a lot of lives and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, just you need to be aware of that. 
And, yeah, I wear glasses when I'm driving, uh, but I'll tell you another little story. When I get into heavy traffic, I pull those glasses off, and I put them in my shirt pocket, and I drive with nothing on my face. I won't even wear my sunglasses. I'll pull the sunglasses off, everything. And my cap bill, that won't do any damage, so I don't worry about that. But um, <laughs> it's just it's quite an experience, quite an experience. Um all right, let's well, go also think, like, uh, one more thing before you jump there. Think about this. You're driving down the road, let's say, at 30 miles an hour, right? And now the airbag is coming at you at 100 miles an hour. Like, it's not like you just hit a car at 30 that was stopped. You have a bag that's accelerating towards you. So now you're going 130 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So, so when somebody says, "Oh, it's just a bag," yeah. you know, that thing's coming. Fly- it's flying at you. It's, it's flying out at you. So it's 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 like a, a, a like getting a very good hard hit in a car. And that also adds to the expense of the car when you take it into Spectrum and have it uh, to get it repaired. That, that comes at those uh, airbags are very expensive. And you can't oh, total a car. Used airbags. Yeah. 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 You can't buy used airbags, you're right. Big. If you buy the, the center bag, the knee bag, the the roof bag, the the seat bag, you're talking you're talking ten thousand dollars, twelve thousand dollars in just airbags. By the time you replace the seat, replace the dashboard, mm-hmm. replace the headliner, mm-hmm. um, replace the one that comes under you. Yeah, there's there's ten thousand dollars in airbags. That'll total a car. Yep, sure will. Sure will. Then you go be buying another car because you you know they're going to just write you a check, send you on your way, yep. and uh, you can buy you can buy the car back, but you can't use any of the airbags. Uh, and what what Jim is saying is the airbag system itself now has been compromised, and uh, so you just you 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 buy them all. I mean, you know, either that or get rid of the car, sell to, to a recycling shop, yard, or something like that. Um, prep older uh, pickups. I was over shop yesterday, as I said, to get my CRV worked on. Of course, I'm a little nosy, so I want to go out and I want to see the new fancy alignment equipment. And uh, I walk around, and there's a big, um, well, there's a four by four Dodge Dakota sitting on there, and that impressed the heck out of me. I thought, boy, I'm, I, yeah, the late model frames, the upgraded frame machines, and um, alignment equipment was very impressive so that part i liked but i come back by and i seen an old chevy uh, uh blazer up on the rack and what they were doing there was packing the front wheel bearings and so i got a chance and the technician was working on another vehicle right in front of it so i got a chance to go around that without getting in anybody's way and I thought, well, you know, people are getting ready to go now for the summertime. They're going to be doing a lot of uh, up white mountains. They're going to be running. Uh, for your older vehicles, don't forget to pack your bearings, and don't forget to do an inspection under it. Uh, we used to have a, uh, a saying that we used, if you're going to go four-wheeling every weekend, when you get back with, his, with these vehicles, the older ones especially, the ones that don't have the boxed-in frames, you're going to have a lot of frame flex that you won't even know is going on. So when you get back, if you're going to use it every weekend and you're going to go out and you're going to do the four-wheel stuff and you're going to flex all these frames, the before you go back the next time, 
you need to slide under there with your little wrenches and tighten all the bolts and stuff that may have worked their way loose and so that when you go out the next time, you don't tweak it again and then a bolt pop out and then your front end starts having issues before you can get it stopped or crawl it out of that rock pile. Or you can call, of course, Jim's got his uh, Reddington Pass special tow truck that he uses, and uh, you can go in and call Frontier Towing and have him come and get you. If you'll tighten up the bolts on these off-roaders, you're going to save yourself a lot of aggravation in the long run. And you may say, oh, it just, uh, this is a new truck. Really? You're going out and you're going four-wheeling? There ain't nothing that says a little proper preparation can prevent piss-poor performance is what I'm trying to say. But go ahead, take a look at the underside of these cars. On the older vehicles, of course, they're getting older. They're getting tired. You need to go under and you need to check them on a regular basis. And you guys driving these older Blazers, uh, older half-ton trucks that are, look like a million dollars, um, especially on the Chevrolet, watch that steering box bracket on the left front where it has three bolts that bolts that box to the frame. That frame has a tendency to crack out. And when you first, it, it, you won't see it until you're actually, or you won't feel it until you say, well, the front is just a little loose, but it's old. You start making excuses. No, you crawl in there and you look at that frame. It don't take that long. And if it's got a little line going down, it looks like a, about a, the width of a ink pen drawing going down the side of your frame. If it goes from the top to the bottom of it, your frame is actually cracking out. You can put somebody in the seat and just have them grab the steering wheel and tweak it to the right, and just pull on it to the right, and then you can see the separation of the materials. So on your older vehicles, on your older Chevys, uh, we the, it, it's called a subframe or a little fish plate. It, we have to go in there and put a fish plate on it. And we've seen a lot of the fish plates come in where guys said, oh, it would just fish plate this thing. It'd be good. And they'll weld it solid. No. The frame flex, that fish plate has got to be able to flex a little bit. So you do a skip weld on it. You go one inch, skip an inch, one inch, skip an inch. You leave some flexibility inside that fish plate, or you'll be revisiting uh, somebody to have it put back on. Seen these. I also know what happens when one of them comes loose and a guy hits a telephone pole pulled into his driveway. That's after he had been over to Simmons, and we told him, I told him, your steering gearbox is held on with one quarter inch of metal. And he says, well, said I got a welder at home and stuff. I'll just go home and weld it. No, don't weld the cracks. Fish plate it. You put the fish plate on it because you, you weld the crack. If you don't weld it correctly, the crack is going to continue to run. You have to block it off at the end. So when you're doing that stuff, oh, well, let me get on my story. He took it, and I made him sign a waiver that we had told him. He drives it uh, eight miles to his house, and he's fine. He's driving down the road, and he's not speeding or anything like that. He turns to pull in to his development or something like that, and the steering gearbox actually breaks off of the truck, and he hit a telephone pole at about, you know, five, six mile an hour maybe, and uh, it tore the right side of his vehicle almost off, just hit a telephone pole. He had just enough movement in that truck to just suck that telephone pole right into the side of it so do not 
make excuses if you have a stirring problem or looseness in the front end. You need to find out where that looseness is and make sure that it's not going to pop out, come off, break, turn you loose to where you get yourself in trouble like that. That's my other tech tip for today. Wheel bearing packs, can't say enough about them. You put a boat in the water, the differential is going to be hot. You got a breather hole on top of the different or the uh, axle housing. That little vent will suck that muddy water, lake water in, and then you'll drive it and it'll be fine. It's like a cancer. You'll drive it, it'll be fine. You'll bring your boat back from Apache and you won't have any problems at all and you'll be running around Tucson and then maybe you know, three months later, you said, well, now i got another break. I can go back to the lakes, and you go up there and fry rear end. When you bury that differential in the back, a lot of your vehicles, let me clear this up, a lot of vehicles will have a line that you will see on the top of the differential that actually it's a, a quarter-inch line, and it goes up to the top and actually has a little clamp that hooks it onto the top of the frame rail with enough flex in it where it allows the rear end to flex. But... It's high enough to where it don't suck the water in unless you bury the bed of the truck, which most people don't do. And But you need to change that differential fluid when you get back in to Tucson. When you bury the differential, you put it in there. I know you're going to see it because you'll probably get out to look to make sure that you got the boat floating off the trailer. So you'll be able to see where the water level is at your, uh, on your differential. If the water level's up to the top of the tire on the rear of the diff, you've got, if you have that little button sitting there, that little pop-off valve, I call, on the top of it, <clears throat> you have potential to having water inside your differential, and that's when you start to rust, that's when you start to contaminate the differential fluids. That's when the differential fluid starts to eat your bearings, and now you've got an expensive repair. So when you go to the lakes, you go in, you back that son of a gun in. If you think you got water in it, it doesn't cost that much to drain it, fill it back up, and then you'll see it. We've drained stuff out of back of differentials that looked like it, it looked like a mud hole. It didn't even look like differential fluid. It looked like a mud hole. It was all brown. And that's not the color you want in a differential. That's called contaminated fluid, and it will take out your differential. Um, so that's the towing in the lakes, uh, camping trips. Go, before you go on vacation, get a vacation inspection. You know, you can go to Brian Fuller's place over at Automotive Specialist. You can get a vacation inspection, tell them what you're doing. They know the routine. You can take it to Simmons, tell them I'm going on vacations. And they know the routine. They'll give you a, a vacation inspection to make sure that you don't have any any uh, any reason for Frontier Towing to come and get you off the side of the freeway. You know, we can save most of that. It's a piece of machinery. The best you can do is all you can do on one. If something's going to happen and it just decides to happen, well, that's that's life. But if you take a little... Proper preparation before you go out on your vacation, your chances of getting there is going to be a heck of a lot better than if you just ignore it and said, oh, well, you know, I only went one time last year to the lakes. And you're going back again a year later, and you say, oh, well, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, well, you're working your vehicle overtime, pulling a load now. You're running up the mountains. You've got to back into the lakes. Once you climb the mountains just to go down to a lake, which don't make a lot of sense, but... That's the issue that you're going to have. But people running their cars, you're going to San Diego. Is your car going to make it? 
Is your car going to make it? Uh, when's the last time you changed a serpentine belt? I've got a car that's got 150,000 miles on it, and it's got a timing belt. Uh, when's the last time you changed it? Oh, I changed it 60,000 miles. Okay, well, you got a few thousand miles involved on that one. Maybe you want to check your timing belt, especially if you have a close-tolerance engine, which means when your timing belt goes out, it's going to take the valves and stick it in the top of the pistons. Then you're going to spend some money, a lot of money, because, uh, one, your tow bill from halfway to San Diego. How, what does that run, Jim? What does the tow bill run? Oh, uh, it's, it's it's gargantuan. It's kind of that good. A tow bill from San Diego is is gargantuan. It's crossed two states. So, but I would just chime in here about yeah. your about the trailers, Jerry. You talk about trailer bearing wheel packs, um, uh, fifth wheels, bumper pull trailers. Um, we see this from time to time. Frame the the spring hangers to the frames break off, or the springs break. Before you go, check this. I know this sounds crazy. It's welded on there. But we see it, not and not necessarily because you hit a pothole or, you know, curb the wheel and hit a pole or something, that they'll just crack and break off. Have somebody check it. You can you can see if there's if it's gonna crack and break. Um but they the spring breaks off, the front wheel rolls into the back wheel and you're done. Your the wheels are touching, you can't move, you're stuck. Um now we're gonna send a big truck, a really big truck, and we're gonna pull that motorhome and the travel trailer and your truck up on a trailer and we're gonna bring it home. And that is not cheap. It can be done. We do it all the time. It's not cheap. Um check the spring. Uh bearings. Jerry's talked about checking bearings. Yeah, check your bearings on your hub. Um there's a lot of manufacturers today use like a steel bearing like they have on a front wheel drive. You can't pack it, it's completely sealed, but you can test it, jack it up, give it a wiggle, see if it if it seems loose. It's a concentric bearing. It's I think it's like three hundred dollars for the bearing itself. But it's still cheaper than the wheel coming off, ruining the axle, taking out the side of the coach, and having to have yep. it towed. Because that yep. you take it to a trailer guy or take, take it over to Jerry, he'll immediately, there's an axle. So you need an axle and a wheel and a brake drum and all the brake assembly. And now you need to fix the side of the coach. You're, you're several thousand dollars into this job. Plus, you had to get it towed. Yeah. So check. Yes, check you the, are. Check. I know. I know this seems crazy. Check the springs because I get it. I do the same thing. I rolled in. I sat down. I'm done. We got home. Phew, we made it. We're good. You know. And then a year, a six months or eight months comes around. Oh, it's time to go again. And did we do anything? No. Let's stop. Let's, we haven't looked at it in a year. Let's take out and look at it mm-hmm. because Especially it makes a big the deal. Cars. <clears throat> The tires. tires. Oh my God, tires! You haven't driven it, and you look for the cracks. Look for the additional cracks in the sidewalls, additional cracks in between the treads. And if you have a thirteen thousand pound fifth wheel and you're towing, and you look at your tires, and they look fine as long as you're five foot away from them, and then you slide under there with a nice big flashlight and you look in the in the covered section of it and then you look between the treads i wound up hey buying four tires a day before i went to the lakes last uh november just because they looked fine i thought you know i know better than this i better check it so i checked them i had to buy four trailer tires take it down and find somebody that could get it done before i went the next day 
that was that was on me. I, I know better. And then when I got back home, I thought, well, wait a minute. I'm taking my boat, too, and I know those tires are good. I better inspect them. Bigger and crap. I had to limp the boat trailer down with the boat on it and then get somebody. That was the morning before I left. Get somebody to put a set of new tires on this thing for me in order to go to the lakes and back. Don't forget your tires. Oh, my gosh, because when they go out, there's not a whole lot of options out there on the side of the road. And if you don't have They're a done. jack that's big enough to lift a load, if you don't have a star wrench and a breaker bar so you can get the lugs off that son of a gun, you're stuck. So, you know, you have to go. Jim comes out, and he's got these one-inch air guns, and so they just buzz everything off, you know. And if it's not good, if they're seized really tight, uh, along comes the lug nut, lug uh, lug bolts with it. So then you get uh, it gets even more interesting. But and, and bearings, and anything true, that rolls. If you want a true experience ahead, on the side of I ten, take your trailer out there and try and change the tire on the side of I ten in the near the traffic lane. Uh-huh. That is a true experience. You will then definitely need yep. a laundry service because when you get done yes. with that, you are never going to want to do that ever again. That is that is a very horrific experience. Traffic going by you at 90 miles an hour. I know the speed limit is 75, but it's actually 90 out there. You just don't know it. <laughs> and when you're flying, when people are flying by you, trucks flying by you, the harrowing experience of trying to change a tire on the side of the interstate is probably the most scary thing you're ever going to do. That is that is incredibly dangerous. So don't do it. Get them fixed. Fix it before you go. I mean, I get it. You buy new tires and they blow out. You run over something that blows out. Like you did all you can do. But don't set right. yourself up for failure. Heck no. And drive that vehicle when you're towing. Speed limit, you know. Now, I know I got a diesel that's got 850 foot-pounds of torque, and it's only a three-quarter ton. I can pull that fifth wheel at any darn speed that I want to, okay? Wrong. I know that I can do it. Do I? No. I run about 60 miles an hour. After my son said, I'm going to take him off the road. 65 out on the freeway, 67. And that's knowing that all my tires are brand new. That's knowing that everything on my diesel is solid. That knows that my brakes are working on everything. But just because you can do it don't mean that you have to. I see horse trailers going down the freeway for these guys running rodeo. I can be running 75 with just a pickup. And it's on cruise control. And I'll see a trailer come through that has four horses in it and living quarters, and that sucker passes me like I'm backing up. And I look at the tires as they go by. He's got two different two different tires on the right side. That's the only side I could see. And he's hauling butt down the freeway. And I said, okay, well, it looks like he may have had a tire problem before, but evidently he didn't learn anything. So, you know, those I stay away from. So, but that's that's the way it is. All right, got to get a couple of ads in here. Lens Auto Brokerage. Lens Auto Brokerage. If you're looking for a pre-owned vehicle, you can go to lensautobrokerage.com. You can pull up the website. All of their inventory is is online. You can actually see what they've got without ever driving down there. Then when you spot your favorite vehicle, you can go down to 2101 North Stone Avenue to Lens Auto Brokerage. And you can go in and kick a tire. You can go test drive it. But they have a heavy inventory. They have some diesels. They have lots of Jeeps. 
and uh, a lot of the little gas misers and a lot of just good-looking car, performance cars have a little bit of everything. So you can go to lensautobrokerage.com and pull up their website, nice website, easy to navigate, and then you can find out what their inventory is. And um, so you can get whatever you want to. And he is an auto broker, so if you're looking for a new truck or a new car, and you say, I don't want to go through the hassles. I know exactly what I want. I don't need to go sit down in a dealership and for five hours to buy a truck. And let them do the shopping for you. And you'll be surprised because their prices are normally less than what you'll be spending at a dealership. So you can call them. Go to the website, lensautobrokerage.com. Check it out. Phone number down there is 628-7500. They are an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, so and they do have financing, and they'll handle all of that stuff for you. Now, talk about my buddy, automotive specialist, Brian Fuller. Talked to him yesterday. Brian's doing well. He's doing, he's doing as well as expected, you know, after the loss of his father. And uh, he'll probably be back on in a couple of weeks, and uh, then we'll give him a chance once he gets uh, able to breathe anymore. And, uh, but he's excellent shop. He is down there on a daily basis. He said it helps him to work instead of just sit there and think about it all the time. Uh, Brian's number is 572-1734. His sale number is 237-3852. And that Brian's sale number again, 237-3852. 3611 West Ina Road, Suite 101. Meredith and Ina, right behind the big parts house on the I don't know if it's north, west, or whichever way that road runs, but he's in the Bookman's Plaza at the end, and uh, he'll take care of whatever you need. Excellent shop, excellent shop. And he's got that big front-end rack, too, over there that, uh, you know, mine's comparable now to what he has. And so if you're on the northwest side, uh, you just go on in and get it done. If you're on the south around Ajo and Country Club, yes, we do have the big liners for Electric, the electric stir and all of that crap. So it's it's a different world now. Heck of a lot different than the uh, Hunter alignment equipment that I had at the time, and it was state of the art also. It was state of the art for then, but then everybody changed all the rules. Um, so automotive specialist, uh, just you know, Brian's doing fine. Drop in and say hi if you want to. Lens Auto Brokerage. Uh, if you're looking for a car, go to lensauto.com. Uh, Merle's Automotive, go to merlesauto.com, and you can find out what what stores they have located in your area and around the state in case you're running out. If you run down to anything like Sierra Vista, they have a Merle's down there, so you can go into Merle's. Same thing with the drive shafts. If you blow a drive shaft out down in Sierra Vista or Sierra Vista people listening to the program, go to Merle's. Tell them send it to Simmons in Tucson. We'll get it, fix it, and send it back to you. All right. <laughs> NASCAR is racing tonight. Uh, they've got they're allowed like 500 people total. Uh, I don't have any uh, free tickets on this one. Uh, hopefully, the next time we do the next show, then we'll have it straightened out enough to where um, I can get uh, some uh, more family packs and stuff like that. If you don't have insurance on your vehicles, get it, okay? Get insurance on your vehicles. And talk to your insurance agent. Make sure you're covered. Uh, anymore, you know, you say, I, well, I only paid 
$1,000 for this vehicle. I'm not going to insure it. Yeah, well, liability, you need to get liability insurance anyway. So get your liability insurance on it if you do nothing else. But if you're planning on driving it, uh, and if you wreck it, you're going to have to fix it, uh, then I recommend you get full coverage on it, especially with the medical and stuff. Uninsured. <laughs> Uninsured motors. All right. Uh, what else you want to cover, Jim? Well, I think you got it all. I, I agree with the insurance. Get the insurance. It's not just for you. It's You buy it for other people. Well, you know, you buy it for your family. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why you buy it. Okay. It's not 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 because you're the right. only guy that needs it. You you buy it for everybody else. Um, well, let's talk about speed speed ratings on vehicles that you're towing down the freeway. On the tires, speed ratings on the tires. Speed rating on tire trailer tires. You know, U-Haul has a has a, mad, a maximum speed limit of 45 on their tires when you're towing their vehicles. Did you know that? Yep, you're not supposed to also you're not know that to take the, a U-Haul. Well, you're not supposed to take a U-Haul trailer over 45 miles an hour. Well, the way some people drive, I understand why. Um, when you're doing um, <laughs> now, I went down to buy trailer tires. I upgraded my trailer tires to where it took the speed ratings off of it. And uh, the guy said, that, and he told me, he said, that don't mean you can go down the road 80 miles an hour with this big thing because you get a gust of wind, you're going to wind up on your lid. And I see uh, that's what scares me to death. It just scares me to death. But well, there are uh, upgraded tire, so use them. But that's right. But speed. And just use All a little right, common well, sense we, out there. I know, I know it's, it's in short supply sometimes. Um, but just use, you know, if back off a little bit, slow down. It's okay. We'll still get there. I know that everybody's in a hurry, but it's, when you start driving that electric car, you're going to be waiting. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Jerry, well, have a great again, day. Thanks so much for having me on. Day, buddy. Appreciate it. And uh, until next week, uh, drive safe, pay attention. It is hot out there. Uh, until next week, we'll be talking to you then. Bye-bye. Bye. All right.